just pray unto the Lord that even as I speak today, it may be something which may be beneficial for each one of us from the Word to help us in our spiritual lives. So, uh, my topic that I have put for today is uh, Disciple of Jesus Christ. So, uh, I just want to ask us one question. How many of us are disciples of Jesus Christ? Okay, I think all of us are lifting up our hands, mostly, you know, at least about 70%. The rest of us, I'm not too sure, like, if you have made a commitment still or you're still thinking about it. However, whatever it be, but my uh, topic for today is disciple of Jesus Christ. So I was just thinking upon it, um, can Jesus be, first thing I, I, I wanted to think upon is, who is our master? The master whom we are following is Jesus Christ. So can Jesus be relied as our master? I don't know how many of us have really thought that, but personally for me, I have thought about it. Even from a very small age, I think we tend to get influenced by many factors in life. Many, uh, many people tend to influence us. Many ideologies tend to influence us. Uh, many of our so-called idols tend to influence us. But this thought would constantly uh, ring in my heart, even as I was a child. Uh, can I rely on Jesus as my master? Because I always faced situations in which I thought people were honest. People were, even as a small child, I thought people were honest. They were reliable in what they speak. But one moment I would see somebody, you know, tell something and then the other moment, they would change their statement about, uh, about what they just said about something sometime back to me. And as a child, I think we easily remember so many things, you know, which people tell us. So I think uh, that's also a lesson for parents also, I think, that we, we should not be casual in our dealing with children. We should not be telling them just something out of somewhere and then you know next moment change the statement because there's something called the 414 window I don't know how many of us have heard about the 414 window it says that a child is very receptive between the age of 4 and 14 years wherein what we tell them it becomes their mindset and their belief for life so that's why I think you know, for people who have children, you know, it's so important that in, in 4 to 14 years, what kind of seed that we sow into their lives, you know, for, for parents as well as brothers and sisters, uncles, aunties, you know, what do we sow inside them becomes their belief. So even for me as a child, I was influenced by a lot of things, a lot of things. I saw that, you know, adults are people who cannot be relied upon. They will say something and sometimes change their statement totally and entirely, you know, just as suits their purposes. I saw that friends could not be relied upon. They will say something and then, you know, the other moment, you know, they will just uh, break your trust. So now I came across this person called Jesus. Um, I was born in a family... Um, 
in which my father uh, was from a different religion and uh, my mother was a Christian. So even as a child, I was exposed to a lot of ideas about religion. One idea was polytheism and the other idea was monotheism. And my mother used to tell, okay, you know, Jesus is the only God. I mean, he is the one who, I mean, she used to take me to church on Good Friday and Easter and etc. and tell me that, you know, Jesus died on the cross. I mean, Good Friday is coming now very soon. And then Easter, third day he rose again. But that meant nothing to me that time because I, did, I hardly understood what it, I, I mean, that was around maybe, you know, since five years of age, she, she told me all these things and I hardly understood what it really meant. I mean, Jesus was somebody, okay, there's somebody who came in history and he died and he resurrected again. But that meant nothing to me at that point of time. Then there was another uh, viewpoint in which Culturally, you know, it seemed to be really nice when people go to the temple and, you know, pray to a lot of gods, so-called gods. And it was a nice thing to stand in front and put those symbols. Since my childhood, I was always interested in music, I think, and I used to love it, you know, to ring those symbols in the front when you are in a temple, you know, when you are worshipping the deity. I had my personal encounter with God when I was 11 years of age. Uh, this was a time when my school was being changed. Uh, I, I mean, I was that time in the fifth standard and my school was changed. Like I, I was supposed to go to, a, to another school which was the best in the state. And to get into the school, uh, we had to write an entrance. And to get into the school, the previous records had been that you either had to be very influential in terms of a very important person in the state to influence people to help you to get in, or you should be really, really, really top in your studies that, you know, uh, you get in the merit list. I was neither. So, um, so I, I just asked God... And I said that time, I remember that winter uh, while preparing for the entrance, I said, Jesus, uh, my mom says you're God, but I don't really know who you are. So if you're really God, as she says, then, you know, I will prepare for this entrance, give me the strength to prepare, and let me get into this school without any pushing or pulling. Let me get it in the merit list. Then I'll believe that you are God indeed. Uh, it was a very childish and childlike faith, uh, and that statement that I made to Jesus that time. But, but I think he knew that I really meant it from my heart when I said that. So then I prepared for the entrance and you know, the, the results came. And when the results came, the amazing thing was I saw the names the amazing thing was I was not just on the merit list, but my name was the first. And at that age, 11 years of age, I still remember standing outside that notice board and tears started dropping uh, down my eyes, thinking about, wow, Jesus is actually reliable. I mean, 
I thought of all situations, all circumstances in which I could not trust people even at that small age. But that moment, it just struck me that Jesus is somebody who is reliable, who is trustworthy. And that time I told, uh, tears were just rolling down my eyes and I said, okay, fine, Jesus, I think I believe in you now. And I think you are God. So as my mom says, I accept you as my savior from today. And from this day onwards, I'm going to make you my best friend. I'm going to tell you everything in my life. Whatever, whether I like somebody, I dislike somebody, I feel like slapping somebody, whatever. I'm going to tell you everything that's inside my heart. So that's how the journey began of me believing in Jesus. Until now, when I look back, there hasn't been even an instance when I can say that God broke my trust. Whatever I told him, whatever I committed to him, even the secrets of my life, even the most deadly sins that I've committed, you know, when I committed it to him, he never, never broke my trust to expose it and tell it to everybody and put me to shame. And that's how my faith grew. That, wow, what kind of God is this? That, you know, he covers all my sins, he forgives all my sins, and, you know, just loves me as though I've never sinned in my life before. So I found personally in my life that Jesus can be relied. So the first question that we are going to talk about is, which Jesus are we talking about? If you look back into history, there are lots of Jesuses that you find. You know, if we, if we see the Christian doctrines, it includes the beliefs that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. If you, if you, if you see the Bible, especially the Nicene Creed, he was born of a virgin named Mary. He performed miracles, founded a church, died by crucifixion as a sacrifice to achieve atonement for sin, rose from the dead and ascended to heaven from where he will return to judge the quick and the dead. Most Christians believe Jesus enables people to be reconciled to God through his death on the cross. As I said, the Nicene Creed asserts that Jesus will judge the living and the dead either before or after the bodily resurrection and even which is tied to the second coming of Jesus Christ in Christian eschatology. The great minority of Christians worship Jesus as the incarnation of God the Son, the second of the three persons in the Trinity. And then there's a minority of people who reject Trinitarism wholly or partly as non-scriptural. So what kind of Christians are we? Is the questions, question that I would like to ask ourselves. What kind of Jesus that we follow? Even in Christianity, there are different forms of Jesus that we see. One is the Jesus as described in the Bible. And again, there are people who have moved out from the Bible into certain uh, modifications in what they think about Jesus. They say, okay, fine, Jesus is, is the son of God, but he's not equal to God. So what kind of Jesus are we worshipping? 
Now, if we figure in non-Christian religions as well, and new religious movements, in Islam we see that Jesus is also considered one of God's important prophets and the Messiah. Muslims believe that Jesus was a bringer of the scripture and was born of a virgin, but not the son of God. Quran states that Jesus never claimed divinity. Most Muslims do not believe that he was crucified, but that he was physically raised into heaven by God. Judaism, in contrast, rejects the belief that Jesus was the awaited Messiah. And they think that he was neither divine nor resurrected. So amidst all these kind of confusing thoughts, amidst all this kind of you know, ideologies that are existing even about Jesus Christ, which is the Jesus that we believe? And I think it is not just important for us to know which is the Jesus, and it is more important to be known by him. My question to all of us is, first is, which kind of Jesus do we believe in? And which kind of Jesus does the Bible really talk about? Second question is, do we just know Jesus? Just because we are born in a Christian family, we go to church and we say, okay, fine, I know Jesus Christ. But what is our personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do we have that everyday, ongoing, incessant personal relationship with Jesus Christ wherein we know that he knows us rather than us just knowing him. So the kind of Jesus that we believe is one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father of all ages, God of God, light of light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. Third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven. He seated on the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. This is the Jesus that we believe in. The people who wrote the Nicene Creed were not just people who just out of whims and fancies wrote something you know, about Jesus. But they wrote it out of much thought from the word as it is. And we believe in the Nicene Creed. We know that this is the Jesus that we believe. So somebody tells us, hey, come on, no, Jesus actually went to Kashmir. He had children, you know. All sorts of, you know, absurd things about Jesus are being said, you know, in the world today. If we are clear in our hearts as to which Jesus that we serve, I think we will be able to say no to them, knowing that this is the Jesus from the Bible that we serve. Not any other Jesus who has been made by some, you know, novel writer saying, you know, he went to Kashmir and he married and he had children. Actually, that's not like that. He had multiple wives. No, I mean, I think if we dig more, you know, we will find more about, you know, absurd, nonsensical uh, descriptions of Jesus that are being spread about in the world today. 
So if we are to be people who are the representatives of Jesus Christ, we should be absolutely sure about which Jesus are we worshiping and are we talking about. So the second question as I was saying is uh, can Jesus be relied as our master? So as I said from my personal life and my personal experience what I have seen is yes Jesus can be relied. So I think you know whether we can trust somebody is it doesn't happen all of a sudden. It doesn't happen you know once we start knowing the person once we start experiencing him or her in our lives then we start trusting the person out of various experiences we'll see that okay yes this is somebody who can be relied so uh, probably uh, there are people i don't know here or maybe people who are watching you know who may not have ever experienced Jesus personally in their lives they may have heard about whims and fancies about Jesus and you know a lot of things but what i would like to encourage is let us try him out and he will never fail you he will never fail us even as we try him out and see whether he is really trustworthy or not time and again he will prove that he is indeed trustworthy and he can be relied upon so uh, i was just reading you know something in the bible uh, john 8 verses 13 to 18 now it is a context in which jesus is uh, is talking to the pharisees so the pharisees therefore said to him you bear witness of yourself your witness is not true jesus answered and said to them even if i bear witness of myself my witness is true for i know where i came from and where i am going but you do not know where i come from and where i am going you judge according to the flesh i judge no one and yet if i do judge my judgment is true for i am not alone but i am with the father who sent me it is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true i am the one who bears witness of myself and the father who sent me bears witness of me Then again 25 to 30 John 8 it says so they said to him who are you anyway this is the amplified version Jesus replied what have i been saying to you from the beginning i have many things to say and judge concerning you but he who sent me is true and i say to the world only the things that i have heard from him they did not realize or have the spiritual insight to understand that he was speaking to them about the father So Jesus said when you lift up the son of man on the cross you will know then without any doubt that I am he and that I do not nothing on my own authority but I say these things just as my father taught me and he who sent me is always with me he has not not left me alone because I always do what pleases him and he said these things many believed in him So uh, as we see these verses Jesus is declaring that you know um, that he's going to die and then he's going to rise again the third day. And there are many instances in the Bible in which Jesus again talks to his disciples saying I'm going to die and then I'm going to rise again the third day. So my thought is you know if Jesus has proved to be trustworthy in the same things 
what i mean to say is he said he is going to die on the cross he said that he is going to rise again the third day and that's exactly what happened so in the seen things if jesus can be reliable to fulfill what he has said i think we can rely on him even on in the unseen things of life so what are the unseen things of life that that you have probably one of them could be you know what is going to happen after i die what is going to happen after i die many people have this fear of death even christians even people who go to church i've seen them saying you know i fear death i don't know what's going to happen i fear death but i think as believers in jesus christ we have nothing to fear even if we have to die tonight we know where we are going and how do we know where we are going because jesus has said it in my father's house there are going to be many mansions if it were not so i would have told you and if i die and go i'm going to prepare a place for you so if jesus can be relied on the seen things whatever your unseen things that may be maybe there's something about your future that you have not yet seen you don't know what's going to happen maybe it's it's about your marriage or which person you are going to mar- marry to maybe it's about your career maybe it's about you know some boss that you need to face you know tomorrow i do not know what it is but what i would like to uh, urge and stress upon is let's give it to jesus and he can be relied upon to take care of of tomorrow whether it be after death our future etc so uh, i was looking into the collins dictionary for the for the meaning of the word genuine the word genuine is used to describe people and things that are exactly what they appear to be and are not false or an imitation so uh, jesus is absolutely genuine in in what he says and what he does the word of god says god is not a man to lie has he said and he will not do it now i understand as to why jesus says in the bible do not worry i mean what is it that you are going to add to yourself if you worry you're not even going to add an inch to yourself to a stretcher even as you worry look at the sparrows god provides for the sparrows so how not to worry is the question sometimes many people ask hey we are human beings come on i mean how is it possible that i mean not to worry but i guess when our reliance changes from what is tomorrow to who is taking t- care of tomorrow the worry disappears i think it is human to just have the thought and say oh my goodness what's going to happen but i think it becomes a worry when we keep thinking about it keep uh, ruminating on it and then probably uh, spoil our entire mood because of thinking about it i think uh, 
the the thought about tomorrow becomes worry becomes pathological if it affects our day to day activities i think by by worry jesus means do not let the thought about tomorrow affect your everyday activities just rely on me give it to me come to me all who are who are burdened and heavy laden and i will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light so I, i don't think jesus really means you know don't have that thought at all it's human to have the thought but don't keep thinking about it and contemplating on it and you know just give it to god so when we give it to god either we choose to trust him or we choose to keep thinking about it if we choose to keep thinking about it then i guess we need to ask ourselves am i really trusting him because if i am trusting him that means i don't have to keep thinking about it i mean in god's kingdom it's either this way or that way it's never like yeah i trust in him but still but still so either it is like we are trusting in him or we are not and if we are not trusting in him that means we are worrying we are trusting in him we, i mean though the thought may constantly be at the back of our mind but still it will not be pathological to you know to cause us to uh, affect our day to day activities i think it's a choice uh, that we make about uh, trusting in what jesus has said uh, the word of god says um, without faith it is impossible to please god for he that comes to him must believe that he is i think there are numerous amount of situations in our life in which you know we are challenged either to lift up the shield of faith or to just sit down and not use that shield of faith at all we have been given the armor of god i mean that armor of god has been given to us so that we can utilize it every day to walk victorious lives in jesus christ and one of the components of the armor of god is the shield of faith so every day i think we face situations in which there are numerous opportunities by which we can lift up the shield of faith the enemy comes to us with fiery darts arrows he brings in our thoughts to make us worry to make us to make us doubt the goodness of god but when we choose to lift up the shield of faith and say i don't care what you say the enemy of my soul i will believe in the word of god as it is if god says this that means it is and i will trust in god i know i may be waiting for his promise to get fulfilled but if he has said it i don't care what the what you say the enemy of my soul i will lift up my shield of faith by lifting up the shield of faith i think we are declaring and telling that you know i will believe in god no matter what certain kinds of stubbornness is allowed in in spiritual life and one of the stubbornness which can be used for good is 
to continue to believe in the word of god no matter what our circumstances no matter what our situation says and no matter what fiery darts the enemy puts into our brain the more we utilize the shield of faith the more the stronger the shield of faith is going to become and that is actually pleasing to god the person who who puts faith and is not double minded is like a person who builds his house on stony ground he doesn't build his house on sandy place because if we are faltering in our belief in Jesus Christ and his word then that's a great chance of the enemy to pierce our heart and to make us fall in our spiritual lives if we make our shield of faith strong there's no way the enemy can penetrate through it and pierce our heart to put us put us into a stumbling place in our spiritual lives i just want to give an example which i've always loved to give from history from the great heroes of faith and that is billy graham and charles templeton um all of us know billy graham right all of us know charles templeton yes how many of us know charles templeton okay i think there are just few people who know charles templeton um billy graham and charles templeton both of them were contemporaries okay they did bible school together they started the ministry together but the starking difference in between these two men of faith happened midway in their in their uh in their career for uh, in in their ministry career there was a holocaust which happened and the nazis started um doing all sorts of things you know to the jews a lot of experiments started happening world war 2 etc in that time both of them with, were faced with the same question how can a good god allow so much suffering in the world now charles templeton was not able to explain as to how can a good god allow i mean the enemy came to them with the same fiery darts in their thoughts how can a good god allow so much suffering in the world now charles templeton did not lift up his shield of faith and did not make his shield of faith strong and then charles charles templeton gave in to the darts of the enemy and said yeah how can a good god actually allow so much of suffering to his people if he really loves his people can't he see what's happening can't he stop those you know people from doing so much of harm why should he allow this kind of war to happen and then after that charles templeton left ministry and then stopped believing in god towards the end i am really not sure whether he came back to god or not but the story goes on that you know he started writing books which which were not in favor for believing in god now billy graham asks this question to charles templeton why do you do this and then he tells that this is the thing and there is a i don't know if you have seen this movie autobiography of billy graham biography of billy graham have you seen that movie 
it's a very nice movie if you can you know get hold of it and see it will be really good because it describes the entire life of billy graham including uh, what happened between charles templeton and him so he now he is also faced with that fiery darts of the enemy and he lifts up his shield of faith it, there's an instance in which he sits and then you know prays to jesus and says god i don't understand how can i explain and the thought that comes to his heart that moment is are you still willing to believe even if you don't understand are you still willing to believe even if you don't understand knowing god who he is and then that moment he says god fine you know i don't understand what it is why it is but i choose to believe in you knowing who you are and knowing how you are and that's an amazing response you know of lifting up the shield of faith and i think that's how our shield of faith gets built up we face situations we face circumstances in which the enemy enemy is just looking for a moment he's is just like a prowling lion seeking when to devour us in our faith seeking when to take us away from god because he knows that if we continue in our relationship with jesus if we continue in our faith in jesus he cannot do anything you know to harm us i mean he he may do all sorts of things you know probably sometimes god may allow you know him to touch us in terms of bringing sickness also like he did in job's life but he knows that he cannot do anything to harm us in terms of eternity he knows that and that's why he will just seek okay okay what circumstance situation this person is going through oh yes this is my opportunity let me put that thought in his mind you know just one thought is enough to destroy us in our faith but if we choose to lift up that shield of faith at that point of time and say i don't care i don't care what thoughts come to my mind but i choose to believe in this word i choose to believe in jesus as he is cuz if he has done great things for me even in the seen things i will rely on him even in the unseen things of life so one man i mean billigram of course recently you know uh, he passed away but what a legacy he has left behind amazing legacy that probably you know will remember i don't know till which generation but i'm sure it will be remembered for a very 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 long time whereas when i asked you charles templeton you know there were only two people who lifted up the hands and said i know charles templeton so we are called to be people who leave legacy behind and legacy not in terms of being the prime minister of a particular place but legacy in terms of being a faithful disciple of jesus christ who has completed the race and now is handing over the torch to other people so um being a disciple of jesus christ uh, what is the first step towards becoming a disciple of jesus christ i think that's a very simple question but a very hard thing for some people to do 
first step towards becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ is just opening our hearts and accepting him as our savior and telling him that i believe what you have done for me on the cross and i am going to live for you now that's it that is the first baby step that we take but that step is one of the hardest of steps for people and the enemy of our soul knows that if he or she takes this step that's it i'm going to lose this person from my clutches so he will try his level best to keep us from taking that step either he will say it's okay do it another day enjoy your life for now or he will say hey 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 wait 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 don't be in such a hurry you know to just put your faith you need to you know properly test out things then only you know especially people who are of the scientific mind it's very hard for them to accept you know a simple thing that somebody has actually died on the cross for their sins and that there's no other way to to be in heaven but to believe in Jesus Christ that's why the word of god says um it is very hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven a rich man maybe an intellectually rich man maybe a person who has had a lot of experiences in life it's very very hard for them to enter into the kingdom of kingdom of god because what the kingdom of god requires is just a child like faith so i think it's it's easier for probably children to accept jesus as their savior than people who are already adults i think it's harder once people have attained a certain age maybe after 25 years of age it becomes much 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 more harder for people to accept jesus as their savior inside their hearts because they would have faced so many situations in life in which 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 influence their minds to such an extent that they will be thinking so many times before accepting jesus as their savior hmm i i don't know how many of us have heard about saline solutions uh saline solutions yeah a few of us have heard about saline solution so saline solution basically talks about um the various steps which involves before a person accepts jesus christ as a savior there are so many stages so um it, sometimes it may be just the starting phase in which you know a person will sow the word that other person may retaliate and fight back and say all sorts of things but that doesn't mean that that person's effort has failed that may be just the starting phase so one after another he will go from one stage to another till finally he will meet another person in the end who will take the harvest why i said this is because most of us are believers here so let us not be discouraged when we are sowing a seed in a person's life we may be telling them about who jesus is we do not know what stage of belief he is in he may fight back he may argue the entire situation may seem hopeless useless but over the years in the end i'm sure either god will tell us before we die here 
or when we go to eternity when we see that person there we'll have the joy of our lives knowing that oh that person actually i shared the gospel long time back but he had rejected so doesn't matter the person may slap us the person may swear at us for telling him the gospel of jesus christ but if the lord is leading us to do so i don't think we should stop because that's the good news that we can tell them at any point of time and that's the best news no money can buy that salvation it's only the faith in jesus christ that can give us that salvation so that's the best gift that we can give to anybody in life so let's not be just discouraged i have a story about um, my cousin sister in law who was from another faith uh, i was in the 9th standard that time and i was preparing for my exams my study holidays my uh, the the university exams were coming for the 9th so uh, that afternoon i had a short nap and that time i saw a dream and in this dream i saw that this cousin of mine was on death bed it the entire room was dark she was on death bed and i heard a voice saying go and preach the gospel to her she is dying and i was like i just got up with a startle and i said okay what kind of dream was that see i had not visited this cousin of mine for quite some time it had been almost 2 3 years i had not gone to their house uh due to various reasons so i got up with a startle and said god what kind of dream is this i don't understand it and i was like okay maybe it's just a dream i'll just pray about it i mean i don't think god really wants me to go and <laughs> tell her how can i go and tell her i mean they were staunch believers in another faith and if i go there if they you know hit me with something what will i do that too i was in school that time and i was not big enough to really i mean have a sane certain things so i was like no 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 i'm not going uh, it's okay i'll just pray so i prayed for her next day again approximately the same time this time i was not sleeping i was just lying down and closing my eyes exactly the same thing i saw again no and then that voice go and preach the gospel to her she's dying and then i get up it, it was not a exactly sleep the moment when you're about to sleep that kind of phase when i see this again and then i get up with a startle and say oh my goodness what kind of dream is getting repeated like this <laughs> and i was like joseph also had similar kind of dreams but i was like okay no maybe it's you know uh, something which i don't understand it's okay i'll pray god don't tell me to go i'm not going <laughs> i said like that to god and then i just disobeyed that third day exactly same time this time i'm i'm sleeping i get exactly the same dream again same place and that voice that distinct voice saying go and preach the gospel to her she's dying and i was like i just got up and i said okay fine I, i mean this must be something thrice it has got repeated so i cannot deny it and i said god i'm really scared but okay fine if you are telling me to go i'll go 
but just give me the strength and the grace to face whatever i may have to face they may shout scream and all i mean i don't know if they'll beat me also <laughs> but give me the strength and the grace to go and share so then i told one of my cousin brother he was one year older than me i said please come with me i don't want to go alone he was like a prayer partner when we were in school we used to have this every saturday and sunday morning like 5 o'clock 4 o'clock we used to get up and pray for various things so he was one of my prayer partners and i told him uh, let's go he was like oh my goodness are you sure i said yeah <laughs> okay fine then i said shall we just fast and pray before we go because we don't know what we'll have to face there then so th- about 3 days we fasted and prayed for this particular thing then that sunday after church was the plan to go so then after church my cousin said yeah i'm really scared i don't i don't think i'll be able to go <laughs> what if they beat us and i'm like okay fine if you don't want to go i'll have to go anyways i've told god i'll have to go so you know i have prayed for the strength to face whatever i'm going then i think he didn't want to leave me alone and said okay fine i'll also come we went to the house and then we asked everything house everything and all and to our amazement she was actually sick and they had diagnosed her to have uh, multi drug resistant tuberculosis which was kind of not responding to therapy and then when i go to that room i see the same room which i had seen in my dream and the only thing was sunlight was there it was not a dark room the dark room which i had seen was only in the uh, in the dream so then i sat and said uh, to her husband can i uh, i actually came here because i felt burden in my heart to pray for her can i please pray for her and he said yeah uh, then i said can i pray for her alone because i wanted to be with her alone when i share the gospel because i didn't know what the husband would say and all and he said okay then we sat there and i remember sharing to her from how lazarus died and you know god raised lazarus from dead and that god had power to do anything then i shared the gospel to her saying you know if you believe in jesus even if whatever may happen to us you know he has the power to do anything and we will be with him forever and at the end of the sharing i asked her would you like to accept jesus as your savior i thought she would say no or she would scream at me this was my expectation you know <laughs> with all fear i had gone there and then she said yes i want to accept jesus as my savior i was like taken aback my goodness is this really happening <laughs> and in the heart of my heart i was like god i'm so sorry you know that i was saying i won't come and then i told her okay fine do you know how to pray i asked her she said no okay fine repeat with me then she repeated with me the sinner's prayer and accepted jesus as a savior after that my exams happened and then i got busy with my thing exactly one month after that she passed away but the amazing thing is she was in the lord she had given her life to jesus and i know that i'm going to meet her again later on uh, this is couple of years after that uh, i had gone uh, to another cousin who is a believer she told me um, i really don't know what happened to that cousin um, she passed away quite soon and like she had mdr tv like 
oh yeah and then i told her the story this kind of thing oh really she said i had been trying to ask her to come to the lord for many years like she lives nearby to her so every time she would go and actually preach the gospel to her and share to her so she had been a part i could see of that process in the the saline process the various stages this other cousin had taken care of i was part of the harvest so many a times we may be part of what my other cousin went through in the sense we may be part of the earlier stages before a person becomes a believer we may not get results like that but that doesn't mean god is not working probably if this other cousin would not have you know continually given the word to her probably that day would not have been the day of harvest when i went there so that's why i would like to encourage us and tell us that let's not be discouraged if people don't accept jesus immediately as their savior more important part is to continue to fast and pray for them as much as possible and to continue to share to them the gospel whenever god gives the opportunity and there is going to come a time when our efforts will not go vain when the prayers that we have made for them will not go in vain uh, it it is amazing how they will come to know jesus as their savior even my dad's accepting jesus as a savior was after 20 years of my mom praying for my dad for me it was about 5 years but at the prime moment just before he passed away he said i will accept jesus as my savior at the brink of time at the point of time at the time of crucifixion two thieves were there one thief said lord when you go there remember me and that's exactly what happened to my dad also at the brink of time when the light was almost out he accepted jesus and i know now i'm going to meet him i mean that physical separation of course pain of course i did feel feel the hurt but there was, there's always this deep sense of satisfaction in my heart that he died in jesus and therefore anyone who dies in jesus i know is going to live again and i'm going to meet him again that's the greatest joy that we have so yeah the first step towards becoming a dis- disciple of jesus christ accepting jesus as their savior but before that acceptance happens so many richness has to die down so many intellectualism has to die down before putting that childlike faith and saying i believe in you the second question is who is a disciple of jesus christ so john 8 verse 31 says So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed in him if you abide in my word continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance with them then you are truly my disciple uh this is in contrast to probably many of the teachings that are going on in today's generation being a disciple of jesus christ is not measured by the number of healings 
that we do, by the number of miracles that we perform, by, the, by even the number of souls who come to accept Jesus as their savior when we preach unto them. Our measure of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, our description of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not through any of these things, uh, you know, uh, which today's probably, you know, uh, popular teaching is. But being a disciple of Jesus Christ is by abiding in the word of God, that is continually obeying his teachings and living in accordance with them. This is who a true disciple is. And that's why Jesus says, no? On that day, many will come to me and say, Hey Lord, in your name we cast out demons. In your name we did so many miracles. In your name we did so many healings. But Jesus will say to them, I do not know you. You workers of iniquity, go away from me. So, uh, and, and later in that same passage, it says that uh, the more important thing for us is to obey the word of God. So I, I don't know what kind of disciple each one of us are. What are we running after? I don't mean to say that healing signs and miracles are wrong. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, these things will follow. But that has, should not be our primary focus in life by which we say, okay, healing signs and miracles. This is a crusade for healing signs and miracles. There's nowhere in the Bible where I find mention in which Jesus says, come, this is a crusade for healing signs and miracles, come. Then he keeps healing people doesn't give them the gospel at all and people go back. I don't find anywhere in the Bible like that. The prime focus of Jesus is always discipleship. The prime focus of Jesus is always telling people about the kingdom of God and the ways of the kingdom of God. And in that process, of course, healing signs and miracles happen in between. But the concentration and the focus is never healing signs and miracles. I hope uh, I'm being able to make myself understood about what I mean to say. There's always a balance uh, in Jesus' life that I see. There's never an extreme that I see in Jesus' life. So being a disciple is always continually obeying his teachings. That maintenance is so very important. Accepting Jesus Christ as our personal savior is a one-time event, yes. But after that, being a disciple is a hard event because in that we have to continually maintain our relationship with God and choose to obey him no matter what. Uh, how I understand our discipleship relation, probably uh, a similar kind of a situation would be something like a marriage relationship. The day we make a commitment and say, I do, we are entering into a marriage relationship. But in order to maintain that marriage relationship, that consistency of being faithful 
to that person till the point we die is important because if we are not consistent in our faithfulness to that person till the point of death divorces happen without faithfulness a marriage cannot remain until the end so also in our relationship with god when we have chosen to become disciples of jesus christ consistency in our faithfulness to jesus by obeying his word and continuing in his word is very important for us to remain in discipleship until the end and that's why i think you know paul keeps telling Con- con- continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling so that's why that process is what is described in that salvation happens of course when we accept jesus but working out is so 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 very important and that's why paul says no i continue to discipline my body and beat my body to such an extent that in the end when i preach to others i myself should not be a castaway it's a part of being disciple disciplining ourselves in every aspect of our lives so that in the end once we have preached we ourselves don't become castaways so the process of discipleship is the hard process i will not say it's an easy process because it's it's hard there's a lot of testing there's a lot of uh, question that we have to face but in the end even as we st- choose to stand by to the lord stand by with the lord and to remain faithful with him there is victory john 8 8 32 to 36 says um, what happens once we become a disciple it's it's a beautiful chapter john 8 if we can go back and read that entire chapter it's really beautiful about discipleship that you know jesus talks about and you shall know the truth regarding salvation and the truth will set you free from the penalty of sin they answered him we are abraham's seed descendants and have never been enslaved to anyone what do you mean by saying you will be set free jesus un- answered i assure you and most solemnly say to you everyone who practices sin habitually is a slave of sin now the slave of sin does not remain in a household forever the son of the master does remain forever so if the son makes you free then you are unquestionably free so before our salvation before we accepted jesus as our savior we were slaves to sin now once we accept jesus as our savior we no longer have to obey sin anymore because he through his holy spirit working in us gives us the power to say no to sin and that's how we can maintain in our relationship with jesus christ to 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 be true disciples unto him so then who helps us in this discipleship process is the holy spirit of the living god Jesus knew that once he goes man will not be able to maintain his relationship with him by his own strength power and might that's why he sent John 14 16 17 says i will ask the father and he will give you another helper 
to be with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be with you. And he is the one who, John, same, John chapter 14 verse uh, 26 says, he is the one who will teach you all things and will help you remember everything that I have told you. So he is our helper, he is our comforter who brings to remember, remembrance all things that has been told by Jesus unto us. And not only that, he gives us gifts according to his discernment so that we may be empowered to live lives of witnesses for Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem till you receive the power from high. And once uh, the power has come unto you, you shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and ends of the world. So the reason as to why the Holy Spirit gives us gifts is primarily to change us, to make us more like Jesus, to make us true disciples and be witnesses unto others. And I think the entire Bible, uh, the story of mankind in the entire Bible is this. The fall, Jesus, cross, crucifixion, and then, you know, resurrection, and the Holy Spirit empowering his disciples to become true disciples, to remain faithful until the end. The last question that I would like to ask you is, ask ourselves individually inside our hearts, am I living a life as a disciple of Jesus Christ? If not, what is hindering me? Am I lifting up the shield of faith 